an angel's crown on me with hand. You have laid burden down on me with hand. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know, on me. I know I have another building, I know, I know, I meet with hands. I know I have another building, and it is not made with hands. The rest of that song, the verse of that scripture would say it is eternal uh, in the heavens. I'm so thankful to God that we have the ability to look forward to a place that is of eternity, where there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, and there's no more suffering. It is a building that 1 Corinthians 15 would say it contains the existence of those who have put on a celestial body. For Paul says to the church of Corinth that we have borne the image of the terrestrial, so shall we bear the image of the celestial. And so we're so looking forward to that day when the, those of us who are blessed to be able to make it to heaven's glory shall put off mortality and put on immortality. Uh, for we will be there in the heavenly lights uh, with God the Father, uh, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the other uh, divine beings of heaven uh, forevermore. Will not be any returning back to this earth, for there will be a new earth, and there will be a new heaven. And whatever that may look like, it will be a place of eternity. I have another building not made with hands, eternal uh, in the heavens. I want to call your attention very quickly back to Genesis, if you will, as was read in our scripture reading this morning. I want to quickly make a, a connection to last Lord's Day's sermon. Uh, we ended with uh, the discussion uh, concerning light, and so we will uh, revisit that and, uh, and then lead into uh, some further discussion about light uh, this morning. You may recall that in John chapter 1, the first chapter of the book of John, the first chapter of the gospel according to John, uh, we had read that morning that um, uh, John had recorded uh, that in man was light and the life was the light of all men. And he was speaking about Christ. And we know that uh, when one has Christ in his life, her life, one's life begins to change. And so we had talked about uh, what it means to change. And, and some of us, if you will, we, we, we come from um, religious belief systems, religious backgrounds that have different ideas of what that change may mean, uh, even to the extent where our religious background and religious belief systems don't even uh, advocate nor find it uh, necessary uh, for one to be baptized in order to change. Uh, these are the belief systems that we have come from, but now that we have uh, uh, grown in the knowledge of the word of God and we have received the seed of God's word, we know differently uh, about what it means to change. If one is going to change when it comes to evolving to become like Christ, they must have the opportunity and must, in fact, take advantage of that opportunity, and that is to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Uh, for one cannot change if they do not have Christ in their life. And you cannot have Christ in your life unless you are baptized. Now, I know that those sometimes, uh, the, the 
words that we use when it comes to the word of God, to many, they seem to be very dogmatic. Those are, uh, in, in, in people seem to be very resistant to that type of, of, of truth. But you can't go to heaven based on a lie. You've got to know the truth. And, and so the Bible tells us in John 8, 31, you shall, if you continue in my word, so, so he qualifies it, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we don't have time to get up here and start lying to you. Amen. We don't know where death is. Amen. Just like God is the God of creation, God is the God of death. For he said, is it appointed unto man once to die, and then after this, the judgment. So we don't have time to start fiddle-faddling around and, and frolicking in the tulips trying to make you feel good about something that's going to send you to hell. It, it's about truth. It's about who we need to become in the Lord. And the word of God is there for us to take a hold of that process of evolution. So John says in John 1 and 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. Now, I've already had read, if you will, the, all, what has been read from Genesis is the beginning. Our beginning. Amen. Not the Lord's beginning. Our beginning. <laughs> Amen. God was already in existence. Lord have mercy. He, he, there is, uh, he is the, the, the as, uh, as John the Revelator would say, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last, right? He, he is he that was there uh, from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He would be there at the last. And so this beginning needs to be very clear. This beginning is not God's beginning. This beginning is our beginning. It is the beginning of creation. And this is the beginning that John speaks about. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, number two says in the beginning with God. And so now he makes a distinction between the first verse and the second verse. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And so we have verses 1, 2, and 3 bringing together an idea of the beginning where God is and an idea of the beginning where we are. It is our beginning in the Genesis text that we need to focus on. God was already light. He didn't need to become light. He was already light. Christ was already light. He didn't need to become light. He was already light. The Holy Spirit was already light. He didn't need to become light. But you know who didn't need to become light? We needed to become light. Because when he looked at all that was before him, look what he says. He that was in the beginning, that is Christ, verse number four, in him was light. And the life was the light of all men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Christ was already light. And in him was life. And that life is the light of all men. In other words, you can't even begin to approach what you need to become without Christ. For he is the life of all men. And he was in the beginning. Now, Genesis helps us to understand some things. Genesis begins to unfold the power of becoming light. And when you're looking at the power of the light, there's some attributes, there's some characteristics, there's some, there's some things about light. That we need to be cognizant of. Some of us may know these things. Others may not. But it takes light to do many things in the world. That nothing else can do. For instance. In order for you to be warmed. It takes light. Now we call it fire in some cases. When it is 
hot and warm. We even say light a fire because we understand the significance of what it means for something to be ignited to become able to warm our bodies. We know light enables us to see for it illuminates in darkness and allows us to be able to put one step in front of the other in the hopes that we don't trip and to fall. We know that light is able to pierce through some of the densest things of material. And that's why we have what's called lasers. Because lasers is the narrowing and the perpetual continual power of light being singularly focused on a particular spot. And it becomes powerful enough to pierce that very material. Light is powerful. And it is fitting that it would be associated with God himself. For who is more powerful than God? For God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And no one else can lay such a claim than God himself. But the blessing of this idea is that God saw it necessary for humanity to become to become light. And so he uses this idea of what light is. He begins to describe the attributes of life and he describes this idea of light and he describes it from the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And the first thing he created, he created the idea of light in the word. For he says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light. Illuminate what it is before us. And the Bible says, and there was light. And not only did it give the ability to illuminate the darkness, to dispel the darkness, he described it as being good. Amen. He described it as being good. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. And remember what we've been talking about when it comes to the seed of the sower. When it talks about the, 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 the seed, when we talked about the seed of the sower, we talked about the good seed. And that good seed bringing forth good fruit. These are the things that we talked about. John 10 will call Jesus the good shepherd. These are the things that we talked about. So he, he, he says here in verse number 4 in Genesis 1 and 4, he says, And God divided the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And so we realize that the first thing that God, if you will, uh, uh, in his manifestation of creation, of all that which is material, he put light in the world. He put transparency in the world. He put that in the world which would be able to illuminate, if you will, the things that were before us. Now, why is this so important? And what is the relevancy of this idea of light when it comes to our lives. Philippians chapter 2 helps us to understand this. When you go to Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he describes us as something. 
And he describes us as something that, that we all as Christians need to understand as we become and, 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 and continue to strive to be children of God. He describes us as something powerful. Sometimes we don't even know our own power. We don't understand what it means to truly be a Christian. But in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and, 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 and I want to drop down, if you will, uh, to verse uh, uh, number 15. I want you to see, first of all, the connection to the text, and then I'm going to go up just a little bit, because I want to show you the power of what this text means. As those who have received the sower's seed, the good seed. In verse number 15, in Philippians 2, 15, he says, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Do you see the power of a Christian? The power of a Christian is because God has defined and described us and has given us these attributes and these characteristics of something that is so powerful that if it in fact does what it is supposed to do, it can change the world. Lord have mercy. It can change the world. I'm going to go back up to verse number five. It's a good place to start. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out! Your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. We become the light because the light is in us. And it is to do the will of God. Let this, and how is the light? See, we need to get out of mysticism. The light is in us because the word of God is in us. Because the word of God is in us, that's why the light is in us. Amen. You know, don't, don't, don't start looking in front of the mirror beginning to, 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 to start shining. The word of God is in you. And when the word of God is in you, the light is in you. We need to understand that concept because it is... It is, it is, it is it is, uh, it is powerful in and of itself. And David helps us to understand the relationship of this idea of the word of God being in us. And therefore, by the word of God being in us and us being obedient to the word of God. Remember, he says, not in my presence only, but the obedience of God's word. God doesn't have to be here for you to obey him. God's word is here for you to obey it. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen Jesus. I don't, I don't know Jesus. Ain't nobody ever seen Jesus. That ain't the point. His word is here. It is the light that shineth in darkness. Look, look, look at uh, Psalm 119. The 119th division of the book of Psalm. Psalm 119 in verse number one. Look at. David writing. David says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Lord have mercy. 
That's walking in the word of God. If you didn't know that, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1 says, uh, I beseech you, brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye have been called. You're walking in the word of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1 helps us to understand that the law that we obey, if you will, there is therefore now uh, no condemnation to him who walk, if you will, uh, after the spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the flesh is death, but the, the law of the spirit is life. David says, blessed are the undefiled in the way. Jeremiah would say, stand ye in the ways and ask and see where is the good way. Stand in these old paths. Ask and see where is the good way. And then Jeremiah said, in Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah said he, that that question was posed, and, 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 and it was posed even from the beginning. Remember, uh, Adam and Eve had the word of God from the beginning. I don't have time to go back and preach that again. But Adam and Eve had the word of God from the beginning. The devil knew Adam and Eve had the word of God because the devil went to Eve, and the first thing he said to Eve was, what did God say? I don't have time to deal with that. But Jeremiah says in, John, in Jeremiah 6, John, Jeremiah 6 says, look, he says, look, when, when, when you stand in the way and you ask for the old path, he says, you, you, need to, you need to see and you need to ask, where is the good way? And then he says, walk therein. You know what the problem is? When the question was asked, they gave the wrong answer. They said, we will not walk therein. You want to know what's wrong with the world today? A lot of people are walking in the wrong way. Because they chose not to walk in the light. They chose to walk in darkness. Lord have mercy. David says, look. Verse number 2 in Psalm 119 and 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. And they that seek him with the whole heart. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. When someone is seeking God, they're seeking God through the word of God. Through the truth of his word. And they seek him with a whole heart. In other words, you can't come to God half-hearted. Amen. You have to come God fully committed unto him. People who come to God half-hearted, they have one foot in the world and the other one in the church and thinking that somehow it's going to balance out. The Bible says you have to come to him with a whole heart. Verse number 3 in Psalm 119 and 3 says, They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. When you're keeping the word of God, the light of God, you're doing it diligently. Let me tell you something. God never said that your world wasn't going to be upside down from time to time. He never said that there will be good times and bad times, uh, uh, just good times. There are also bad times. Light goes and ebbs and flows. There are always struggles and then there are glories. There's time to rejoice and there's time to cry. The Ecclesiastes writer helps us understand that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, under, understood that. And Solomon shared that with us. There are times uh, for every season under the sun, under the light. There's time for every season. Don't think that every day is going to be a good day. The devil won't let it happen. He's going to make sure you have some bad days. And if it's his will, you're going to have more bad days than you have good days. Amen. But when you know who you are in the Lord, when you know who you are in the Lord, even in a bad day, I can find some goodness when I know who I am in the Lord. Amen. You don't think that that's true. Go back and ask. Go ask uh, 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 the three Hebrew boys. Hananiah, Mishael, Lazarus. You know, go, go back and ask them what it means to have a bad day, but still, but still find joy in it. Amen. When Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah was thrown in the fire, and I mean they were thrown in the fire to the extent where, where uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, heat it seven times hotter than it was before. Y'all think 111 degrees is hot? 
Talking about having a bad day. Bad day being thrown in the fire, heated seven times hotter, bound hand and foot. I think that's a bad day. But in that bad day, you find something about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They said, it doesn't matter whether or not you throw us in the fire. Now, see, this is somebody who knows who they are in the Lord, in the light. They know who they are. They have no question. They have given themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord. Threats don't change who they are in the Lord. They said, put us in the fire. And look what they say. And you've got to be very careful with this because when you're, when, see, when you, when you have the power of the light, you've got to be careful how you wield it. Right? Because you have to understand, the power that you have can be wielded in a way that can harm people, and the power that you have can be wielded in a way that can help people. Amen. But when we look at Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they said something that was very powerful, and I think that we should take a lesson from this. Fear not him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. But don't tempt the Lord. Amen. Don't tempt him. But know that God is on your side. So, so Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah says what? They said, even, and I want you to see this here. They said, we are not going to bow down and worship your God. And even if he chooses not to deliver us. And he says, he said, what, he said well, if, I, if, I, if I will that he tarry till I'm come, what is that to you? Go do what I ask you to do. Don't be, don't be trying to question what God is doing. Stay, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And, and so he says here, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, they say here, look, even if he will not deliver us, we still will not bow down to your God. Let me tell you something. Now, 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 now we're going to make this practical. You know, sometimes the devil will make you choose between God and your earthly desires. He'll make you choose. And some of us sign off on the contract with the devil because we don't want to lose our earthly desires. But I'm here to tell you, if it be of God, the devil can't take it from you. Stay with the Lord. It is God who giveth. It is God who taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job taught us. That's what Job taught us. Got to stay with the Lord. And Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah said, even if he doesn't deliver us from the fire, this light of this fire, even if he doesn't deliver us, he said, they said, we will not bow down. They threw him in the fire, and look what happens when they're in the fire. They're in the midst of the fire. They're in the midst of the fire. It's heated seven times hotter to the extent that those who started heating the fire were burned up by the fire that they kindled. And then the king peers in. And he sees Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they're, they're walking around in the fire. When the light is in the light, they're going to be all right. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to be all right. He feels it. He says, wait a minute, didn't we put it in three? But there's four walking around. Now, wait a minute, didn't he? Weren't were they placed in there? in the midst of the fire. You're going to be all right. Just stay with the Lord. Let your desires be in agreement with God's desires. And God is able to give you all things. That's what Matthew 6 and 33 says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God knows how to give you things. 
but it's up to you to embrace his light, to embrace the truth, to embrace the seed of God's word. David, back in Psalm, continues to expound on this discussion. Because in Psalm 119, in verse number 4, he goes on and says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. That means in the down times, hold on to the Lord's word. In the up times, hold on to the Lord's word. Verse number 5, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. David says in verse number 7, I will praise thee with an uprightness of heart. When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And remember, Luke says, the seed is the word of God. Paul says in Colossians 3, 16 and 17, be rich with it. Be full of it. Be overflowing with the word of God. Because life will bring challenges. Life will bring struggles. But when you stay with the Lord... You can make it through those challenges and you can overcome those struggles. But if you leave the Lord, you leave yourself vulnerable to only the influences of Satan. And we know where that goes. Verse number 10 in Psalm 119, David says, he gets back to this whole heart. Remember in Philippians, he says, let this mind be in you. Mind is synonymous with heart. Heart is synonymous with mind. And and when the heart, if you will, I'm so tired of these these television preachers grabbing their chest, talking about what their heart should do. They have no clue what they're talking about. This heart ain't doing nothing but pumping. What this heart shall do. When David says, commit your whole heart, he's talking about this heart, your mind. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He says, with my whole heart have I sought thee. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. You remember a couple of sermons ago, we talked about being untethered from God's word. David says, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. David's saying the same thing. I don't want to become untethered from your word. Amen. When you are the light, you remain the light because you stay connected to God's word. And that's why John, in, in, when, when, when Jesus says to the Jews, and he says to them, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's because if you're going to remain, if you will, uh, 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 in a position of being saved, you've got to stay, you've got to continue in my word. You've got to stay connected. You can't drift away. You can't wander away from God's word. And still think you're going to be saved. Oh, let me not wonder. From thy commandments, David says. In Psalm 119, in verse number 11, he says to them, thy word. David says to us, thy word. He's speaking about God's word. The seed, the light. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Notice something here. Notice something here. That the power of the light within you is where it has its ability. Where it has its 
it in your iPhone cannot help you. The word of God must be in you. And therefore, it must be in your mind in order to be in you. Amen. There's something about the word being hid in your heart, in your mind. He says that I might not, that I, that I might not sin against thee. I want you to see this power. Notice that David makes it clear that the exercising of this power is based upon free will. Lord have mercy. You still have choices to make. Even though the light is in you, you have choices to make. The blessing of the light being in you is that now, with the light being in you, you have informed choices to make. Lord have mercy. When I know God's word, I understand what God's will is, what his desire is. So the choice becomes, will I obey my flesh or am I going to obey God? You still have the choice to make. And David makes it clear. He says that I might not sin against thee. In other words, having the light within you does not take away free will. You still have to make a choice on how you're going to live your life. Verse number 12. David comes back and understands. He understands that the choices that need to be made, these choices will have... Uh, Implications on the end of life. But nevertheless, he says in verse 12, Blessed art thou, O God, teach me thy statutes. David says, I want to know your laws. I want to know your laws. Because if I know your laws, at least I have an opportunity to make a choice, an informed choice about which direction I'm going to go in life. Teach me thy laws. John says it very well when John says, for we all shall be taught of God. Paul says it very well in the Hebrew text when he says to the Hebrews, he says, no more shall we be saying to, uh, uh, to someone, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. For all shall know me, for I will engrave it in their hearts. Each one that studies God's word and commits himself to God's word, it's about having it engraved in your heart, in your mind. In Psalm 119 and 13, he says, With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. David goes on and says, Open thou mine eyes. Open my eyes. Some of of you may find that an interesting phrase, what is the pathway through which our body receives light? It is through our eyes. It is through our eyes. David says, my soul can embrace light when you open up my eyes. Lord have mercy. We used to sing a song that has many many songs that has this phrase, I once was blind, but now I see. Many people would look at that as a literal verse, as if this person was literally physically blind and could not see, if you will. The text is dealing with a spiritual concept. When you are blind, you are blind because you don't have God's word to lighten your soul. 
why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Is this a little heavy? That's why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering of doctrine. Paul is telling Timothy to preach the word. Why? Because there are a whole lot of folk who are blind. Spiritually. And so their eyes must be opened. And the only ways their eyes can be opened, they must be opened by the word of God. Now they may choose to reject it, but that's their choice. They may choose to accept it, and what a blessed choice that would be. But nevertheless, in either case, their eyes will be opened. Amen. And then you have a choice. That's why none of us will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know this, I didn't know that. God said, "Uh uh-uh. Everybody will know me. And then when you try to, and see, you know, God, God, you're not going to outthink God. You're not going to outthink God because here I I come. I'm going to throw this curveball right at you coming coming from back from Genesis, right? Coming right back from Genesis. A lot of folk going to say, oh, well, you know, no one ever preached to me your word. And God comes back in Romans and he says, by the very fact that you saw my creation, you should have known that there was a God. What you going to do with that one? Every day you woke up and saw the sun, you should have known that there was a God. Every night you started getting ready for bed and you saw the moon reflecting the light of the sun, you should have known that there was a God. You didn't create it! (laughs) So you're not going to get away. God says just by creation you should have known that there was a God. The problem is you chose not to seek him. You chose not to find out about him. You chose not to. David goes on and he says, in verse 17, in Psalm 119, 17, he says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes. Let me see. Let my soul see what it is you desire of me. That I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open up my eyes that I might see. That I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You remember James? James writes to us and he talks about about looking, about seeing. The Greek word, depending on what context you're using it, is blepo, to see. But James says in James one twenty five, he says something. So, 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 um, so David gives us this 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 uh, this, this story in Psalm. It's almost as if he's speaking to God directly, like he's standing in front of him. But nevertheless, the, the, the lyrical words that David uses to, to express what he is experiencing at the moment, and he talks about seeing, he talks about looking uh, or, 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 or opening up his eyes. Well, James says this to the church. James says this to the people of God. In James 1.25, look what James says to us. James says, uh, I'm going to start at verse number uh, number, uh, uh, 23. For if any be a bearer of the word, and not a doer, I'm sorry, hearer of the word. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm trying to come to a close. If anyone is a hearer, a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The word glass here is mirror. And mirror gives a reflection. He beholdeth his natural face in a mirror, in a glass. You see who you are. You see who you are. Just a wonderful thing about the word of God. The word of God does not lie to you. It shows you who you are. Now, you may not like what you see, 
But that ain't God's problem. <laughs> that's not his problem. That's your problem. As a matter of fact, that's your problem to work on. If you don't like what you see, God says do what? Change it. Change what you see. Change what you see. Remember Romans 12 is still very relevant here. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may show what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. But James comes back and he says, look. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And the word natural face, the, the, look, this is, this is, this is imagery that is so powerful. Your natural face. And, and I said before, the word of God is not going to lie to you. It is going to be completely, the, word, the light is able to completely make darkness transparent. Amen. You're not going to be able to ignore who you see. That's, what, that's the power of light. Amen. That's the power of light. It, it, you, 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 you will be completely, tra- the word of God makes you like an open book before him. Completely transparent. Your natural face in a glass. Verse number 24. For he beholdeth, he sees himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. See, the word of God tells you who you are, but you still have choice. You can either obey God or not obey God. You still have choice. You can change or not change. You have choice. But if you're going to influence the world as a Christian, you must choose to change. And I'm going to show you this as I close out the last thought I'll share about the power of light. The power of light in a changing world is the lesson itself. Verse number 25. But whoso looketh, see? David said, see. James says, look. Whoso looketh into the, what? The perfect law of liberty. Psalm 119 and 18, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. James says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. And continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. It takes work to change. It takes work to change. It takes work to change. It doesn't come by osmosis, by mom and dad being so good, and all of a sudden, since mom and dad was good, you're going to be good. That ain't how it works. You have to do the work. You have to do the work for yourself. He being not a forgetful ear, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his what? In his deed. In his doings. James would go on and say, here's some issues of purity that help us to continue to illuminate the idea of being the light. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I'm glad he put that conjunction there. Because you can visit all the widows in the world and you can visit all the fatherless in the world, but if you don't keep yourself unspotted from the world, it will mean nothing. We've clothed millions of people. We've fed millions of people. But is your soul unspotted from the world? Is it still in the light? Because you can do things to try to impress people. And impressed they may be. But if you don't do things to please God, 
You can impress all the people you want. Heaven will not be your home. Matthew 7 and 21, Jesus said to them when they came to him about that question. Jesus said, not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. And then look what they said. They came back and said all the things that they believed would be impressive. But Lord, we've cast out devils. We've done many wonderful works. We've done all these things before men. And Jesus comes back and says, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, for I never knew who you were. Why? Because they didn't do those things for God. They did those things for themselves to please men and not to please God. I'm running out of time. Let me, let me come to a close here. As we make our way back to Psalm 119, David says in verse number 15, uh, verse number 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as all in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse number 17. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open my eyes that, may, that, that, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. When we truly allow the light of God's word to change our heart, the world becomes strange to us because we are no longer of the world even though we're in it. The world becomes strange to us. We begin to see things with clarity as opposed to with obscurity. We see things very clearly. We see the devil's influences and what the devil continues to do and how man continues to succumb to the influences of Satan. You see it, and you see it every day. Be careful when you want wisdom. Solomon said, with much wisdom comes misery. Let me tell you something. When you start reading God's word and you start seeing who you are as an individual and then you start changing yourself, who you are as an individual, always remember what Jesus says. When you start stop looking like the world, the world stops loving you. In John 17, Jesus says, they hated me without a cause. The world will hate you just because you're a Christian. Not because they don't even have to know, just the life that you live. It causes them to become uncomfortable with your presence. But you know what? That's the light's job. <laughs> The light's job is to change folks. Amen. And the change begins with you. Lord have mercy. I'm closing right here. Interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me end with this. There, there, there are two aspects or attributes of light that are, that are very interesting. First of all, light travels faster than any other uh, uh, material, if you will. If you want to call it material. Some would say it's, it's not even material. It's more, it's more particle. But 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 put the scientific issues aside. When, when, when you come to the issue of light, when someone says that thing is traveling at the speed of light, that's the fastest we uh, 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 process of movement that is known to man today is the speed of light, right? And it's faster than the speed of sound. And some of you say, well, Brother Cobra, how do you make that analogy? Well, you know, some of us say, oh, I heard the, I heard the thundering, right? Some of us don't even understand the relationship between the lightning and the thunder. You see the light.
lightning, and then you hear the sound. It's the same thing happening, but you hear the impressions of it, and, and, and you experience the, press, the impressions of it at different moments. Light travels faster than sound. So you see the lightning strike, and then you hear the sound it makes. Right? So it's the thunder and the lightning. But it's because of the difference between, I mean, you, you hear, you, hear the, you see the, the lightning first, and then you hear the thundering coming after it. Because light travels faster than sound. Are you with me? Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me, because here, here, I, here I am. Here I am with, with us being the light of the world. A city that can't be, that, uh, that is set on the hill, a city that cannot be hid, where Philippians, we read Philippians 2, where he says that you are, you are the light of the world. You're the light in the world. You shine as lights in the world. We are the light of the world, right? We're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. People see us. People see us. They view us. They, they observe us. We are the light of the world. Let me tell you something. By living a Christian life, you can impact people quicker than the voices that you try to put out there in front of them. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm closed right here. See, sometimes we, we, we think, you, you can preach at people all day long, but if you're living a hellish life, how can that help them? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look what he says here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1. He says, And brethren, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, uh, even as unto babes. Amen. So, 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 so this message, if you will, helps us to understand that we have to change our carnal minds. We have to change the way that we think. Why? Because if we change the way that our minds are thinking and we receive the light of God's word, we can then be spiritually minded. We can then begin to embrace that power Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1. I gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1, dealing with the carnal versus the spiritual. I don't have time to read all of that. You can read it when you get time. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1, look what he says. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters or commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. By the way that you live your life, people can begin to ask, who are these individuals? Your light shineth quicker than a Bible class. Lord have mercy. Though a Bible class is necessary, amen, the life that you live shines first. It makes the first impression. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Light travels faster than sound. If I'm living a good life, I'm living a righteous life, somebody who may ask, come and ask the question, what is this all about? And then I can give them the word of God. But my light travels faster. The life that I live travels faster. Because the life that I live is not my life, but it's the life that is hid in Christ. For he is the true light that cometh into the world, that lighteth the life of all men. And if I allow his light to become my light, then the life that I live, can leave an impact on people a lot quicker than me preaching at them through the word of God. Amen. Though preaching is necessary. Amen. But remember what impacts people first is what they see. There's an old phrase that says, your life is speaking so loudly, I cannot hear what you are saying. Christian life. That is the light that shines before men. And if you can shine that light before men, that is a way to change their lives. They would become inquisitive and ask the question, 
what must I do to be saved? Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants you to be saved. He wants all of us to be saved. He doesn't want us to continue to be in sin. He wants us to be saved. The challenge is to put forth that life. The Bible says that we repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. The Bible says that in 2 Peter 3 and 9, that God wishes none to perish, but that should all come unto repentance. But, but we don't have a whole lot of time to deal with this because one day with God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. But he doesn't wish any of us to perish. But he wants us all to come to repentance. We confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Romans 10 and 9. With the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in the water grave of baptism. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all of our past sins. We arise to walk in the newness of life. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus because now we're in the light. The Colossians writer says we've been translated out of darkness into the marvelous light, into the kingdom of his dear son. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to come. Going down to the watery grave of baptism the, uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37, when they asked Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That baptism Jesus gave them as a commandment in Mark 16, 15 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That shall be saved is conditioned upon one continuing in the light. Revelations 2 and 10, be faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life that fadeth not away. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the invitation of song? Why don't you come? I don't